amplification is about to begin. I've never said that one before. I just came up with it now. About to amplify nonprofits. That's what we're doing here. Every single Friday morning from the top of my house, just below the roof, above the second floor, in my attic, I bring to you leaders of nonprofit organizations. And I'll tell you the truth. My guest today probably doesn't even realize how influential he's been on me and influential even on the idea of this uh, this program here, Philanthropy and Focus. So I'll introduce my guest just, just shortly here. But if you've been paying attention for the last 33 episodes, you realize that I get a little cranky because nonprofit organizations are overlooked, unrecognized, and often underfunded, as many of us in the sector know. And my answer to that challenge, that problem, that question is philanthropy and focus. It's a weekly show where I bring on the leaders of nonprofits to tell their stories. And what's kind of funny about it is, is my guest today, Ken Serini, Ken doesn't probably even realize how much I watched what he was doing. And I was so appreciative of what he's been doing for the nonprofit sector. Even I think before we knew each other, before we were friends, before we were collaborators, I watched how concerned he was for this sector. I watched so Tommy, you're, Tommy, you're the only one then. <laughs> it's not your turn yet, man. Don't you know how to Sorry. <laughs> well, I'm glad I watched because, Ken, then nobody would have known who you are because now I'm telling people who you are. I, and, and your humility and, and self-deprecating humor is, uh, I resemble that. I think it's gotten me the most places in my life is self-deprecation. <laughs> so, look, here's the deal, Ken. I, I'm going to read something. I'm going to read a little background on you, but I, not, not to, uh, as they say, blow smoke. But the idea is, I watch what you do for this sector. I watch how tirelessly you educate the sector. You advocate on behalf of the sector. And it's and it's driven this thing to me. Gang, here's the thing. Years ago, my partners and I in, in our agency, Vanguard, sat down and we said, who do we like working with? Who do we want to work with more? And we kept coming up with the nonprofit sector. And then I would see this guy, Ken Serini, doing all he did for the sector. And I said, I got to know this man. And, and I started to uh, look to find ways to court a relationship, to, to build a friendship, to find out how we could support his efforts. And and here now he's on my show, and we're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about the Imagine Awards, which up until recently was not itself a nonprofit organization. So I was having trouble figuring out how to get Ken on the show. I'm telling you, I'm probably going to launch another show. Where well, I'll tease you about that. We have a show starting next week, but I want to launch a show called Philanthropy and Focus: The Expert Series. And I was trying to get that going so I could get Ken on my show. But Ken went out and uh, turned the, uh, I don't know if you turned it something into something, but now the, non, now the, the Imagine Awards are a nonprofit organization. Therefore, when the board of directors of Philanthropy and Focus sat down and we reviewed and we said, can Ken come on? The, the board of directors is me, Ken. It was just me sitting <laughs> by myself figuring this out. So when I sat down, I said, look, here's the answer. Uh, Ken's team said, look, we're a nonprofit now. How do we get Ken on the show? I said, well, that's very easy. Let's book it. So that's the story. Here's, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read something about the Imagine Awards. I'm going to read something about Ken, and then we're going to jump into the conversation. The Imagine Award is an award program designed for three reasons. To shine a spotlight on those nonprofits that are truly unique, those with strong leadership, who are innovative in their actions and operations, who are impactful on both a micro and macro perspective, and who are significantly advancing programs and the sector on a regular basis. Those who think out of the box and who understand the need to effectively collaborate to leverage results. Number two, to foster relationships. That The Imagine Awards is big on networking. It's yes, it's about awards, it's about recognition, but it's big on networking. I've always enjoyed the event. We'll talk about virtual versus in-person, I'm sure today, Ken, because we've all had to experience that. There's more on that one, but let me just tell you this last one. To provide education, it sounds a bit cliche, the note here reads, but we don't know what we don't know. Nonprofit leadership is often focused on the day-to-day needs of the organization, and they don't always have a place to turn to bounce off questions and answers and how do we help each other. So there's a lot of that as uh, wrapped into the Imagine Awards, which I know we have coming up on September 14th. Let's imagine, and we'll talk about that soon, because when we get some of the, the winners the um, to bring their thought leadership. So, Ken, let's go to the beginning. Man. But let's. I, I don't know if I've asked you this in the past, you're a CPA, managing director of Serenian Associates, a firm out here on Long Island, very involved in the nonprofit sector. How did that even happen? I maybe you told me years ago, but how does you know? How do you decide? I really want to be involved in the nonprofit sector. Let's start there. So first of all, Tommy, I want to thank you for uh, having me on the show. Um, since you went through a uh, you know five minute soliloquy and wouldn't let me talk. 
Um, se- second of all, um, I want to make minutes. sure that you understand that, you know, you are my hero. And when I grow up, I want to look, just look and act just like you. So I'm working on the, the long hair right now. It, it's, growing, it, it's growing in slowly. Um, <laughs> actually, it's probably growing inside instead and tickling my brain. But Listen, other than that, something about the air in the attic, man. You stay in an attic for a year and a half. Hair just grows. That's how it is. So anyway, in terms of, of why or how I got into the nonprofit sector. So when I, I guess when I, let's take it back even before I got into becoming an accountant, you know, I've always felt that, you know, for the most part, most people live their lives to maximize their happiness, right? But I think that's only a part of the equation. I think, you know, yes, it's important to maximize your happiness, but it's equally or maybe more important to make sure that you help and maximize the happiness of others around you too. And whether those are people that, um, friends and family who, you know, who you know and love, or whether those are total strangers who, um, you know, have needs and you're in a position where you can help them through their needs. So it's probably something that my mom instilled on me when I was a, a kid. And it was just kind of always important to me to, to always be somewhere where you can make a difference. When I started working, I worked for one of the big eight accounting firms, uh, Ernst & Young. And there I got the ability to work with both for-profit companies and some nonprofit companies, specifically in the healthcare industry. And there was a big difference between working with a for-profit company who, you know, if I was able to help them in some way, shape, or form, you know, shareholders got bigger distributions or dividends or whatever, versus when I worked with a nonprofit organization where if I helped them and I was able to put more money back into the the organization's coffers through um, some sort of uh, credit or benefit that I I came up with, you know, the the payout was very much more significant. People ate, people had housing, people had healthcare. So for me, it was kind of a no brainer. Um, The stakes are just so much greater and the needs are so much more significant in the nonprofit sector and I, I also felt that in the nonprofit sector, there was that connection where you could have that, you know, one-to-one discussions and they actually cared about what you were saying and what you talked about. Um, they valued your opinion. They valued your advice, which, you know, maybe happens in the for-profit world too. But I, I think, again, I think it's, it's more that um, impact I'm having overall on the community uh, and not just on the bottom line or, you know, someone's pocket if that makes sense. Well, for, for me, it makes all the sense in the world. I'm running around trying to do 60 days of service for nonprofits. And I, I'll tell you, there's a selfish part of it too, because you feel really frigging good. You feel yeah. good, you know. I mean, you, there's that psychic benefit that comes from, you know, working with the sector, you know, and, you know, being able to make a difference. You know, it's, it's, it's not always about um, the money that comes in. I mean, if I worked in the for-profit sector, I'd probably make more money than I make now. I, I do well. I live comfortably. Uh, it, it's really, it's not about that. It, it's about really the ability to make a difference. What, you, you know, you talk about as a result of the work you've done in the past, people eat, people have housing. You know, I, I want to talk to you about something. I, I was going to hold this back and, and talk about it later, but I'm going to bring it up now. A couple of weeks ago, I had Lee Silberman from Habitat for Humanity mm-hmm. County on the show. And great guy. Awesome. And great, great. Um, I'd say, you know, as a leader for sure of an organization, but philanthropist, because he, he understood this when he was on the other side, on the for-profit side, and he aligned his for-profit company with Habitat. So he had a relationship with the organization for many, many years, way before he became uh, the, the CEO, executive director over there. So what came up, and, it, and I brought your name up on that conversation, because what had come up for us there was, I said, you know, I, I said something I'd said to you in the past. It was almost like, shouldn't organizations, shouldn't business entities um, not look at the angle of I'm doing this support because it looks good for me, or, you know, or I'm doing this support because I, it's good for press. It's a nice press release or whatever. And it came, what came up for me in that conversation was something that I said to you across the room years ago, we were doing something, I forget what we called it, but it was a panel discussion. And we had, you know, a bunch of our folks on a panel, probably about 40 or 50 nonprofit leaders in the room. I said, Ken, we were talking about sponsoring events, you know, and I said, Ken, isn't it not supposed to be quid pro quo? Like, isn't it, aren't we just, and, and you sort of corrected me. So can we talk about that a little bit? Sure. Like yeah. Partnerships, kind of the partnerships and the alignment of I'm a business 
and I want to support an organization, but there should be it should that word partnership. It came up yeah, yesterday. Yeah, yeah. And, and and again, it goes back to that two way street. You know, one of the things I think that um, nonprofits should be thinking more about. I mean, I, I think what you typically find is nonprofits kind of try to fit square pegs or round pegs and square holes of square pegs, whichever the correct phrase is, some sort of peg in some sort of other hole that doesn't match the peg. So um, you're in this situation where, you know, it's sponsorship and these are the sponsorships I have. And, you know, everybody's got to take one of these sponsorships. And, you know, that's not really the way business works anymore. Um, you know, people come up to me all the time and they say, look, we want you to support our golf outing. Well, that's great. I hate golf. Um, you know, so for me, that doesn't provide any benefit. It doesn't get me excited or anything else. So I, I think there really needs to be, as you said before, that partnership or that collaboration between the nonprofit sector and the for-profit sector or for-profit businesses and really take a look at um, what is it that motivates the for-profit business what is it that the for-profit business is interested in and how do I effectively partner? Yeah. So, you know, we happen to have a relationship with an organization called the Book Fairies. And I bring that up because something that's very important, and you mentioned it earlier, is education. We're accountants. You know, we like to push information. We like to educate the sector. We feel that the more people are educated, the more benefit they can provide. Book fairies kind of fell right into that for us because what they do is they put books in the hands of adults and children who don't have access to uh, books, which helps to uh, increase the um, uh, abilities of these individuals, make them more marketable from a work perspective and everything else. So this aligned with our thought process. And instead of going to them and talking to them about, hey, look, we'll sponsor one of your events. We said to them instead, hey, let's figure out how we can align ourselves so that um, we can both benefit from a relationship. Um, and it's become a, a, a great partnership with Book Fairies. I mean, we're in the, the situation where um, by I think it's next month, we will have been we will have um, helped to facilitate one hundred and twenty five thousand books uh, put in the hands of children over the last couple of years. That's, so that's that's, that's impact. Yeah. So what we've decided is that for every hour of billable service we produce as a firm, we will um, help support them in putting a book in the hands of a child. So from our perspective, it aligns with our thought process of education. Um, and the other benefit we get from it is we can market that as part of our marketing materials. So there is a benefit that comes to us in addition to the psychic benefit and, and everything of helping others. But how many other accounting firms can say that, you know, if you work with us, not only do you get top-notch service and innovative thinking and value-added advice, but you're also helping to um, solve the problem of illiteracy um, here in the United States and uh, overseas. It's, it's incredible. We got to pause right there because we're going to take a break. But I, I had Founder of the Book Fairies, Amy Zaslansky, and current executive director and nonprofit extraordinaire, uh, Eileen Minogue, on the show with me a couple months back. Look at talkradio.nyc if you guys want to see that episode or reach out to me, Tommy D, at Philanthropy and Focus, and I can get you hooked up with that. Incredible organization, approaching, I think, 3 million books that they've given away so yep. far. It's just an incredible, incredible organization. Thank you, Amy, for your vision. And it all started out because the school district near her needed some books. And then, and now that's, what's the ripple effect of 3 million books? Gang, we'll be back. We're going to talk more about partnerships, strategic alliances. My buddy Ken Serini is here in the attic. Tommy D, Philanthropy Focus, back in 90 seconds. See you soon. Have you ever thought of reinventing yourself? Are you looking to create a new life's journey? Hi, I'm Kevin Barbaro, host of Coffee Talk XL, every Tuesday night, 5, 8 p.m. Eastern, on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live to hear me and my guests from a variety of different backgrounds. As a former college coach and a current full-time actor and owner of multiple companies, my show is as eclectic as my life. That's Coffee Talk XL, every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you interested in having a better relationship with yourself, others, and God? Greetings. I'm your host, Dr. George Andow, for the show, A Journey Through Into Awareness. On my show, we journey into the awareness that the mind of God is the true seat of our personal consciousness. 
We join together each Monday at 7 p.m. So tune in on Talk Radio NYC. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. I didn't know if you'd ever heard the song before, and I, I, I love when people haven't heard it before, and they, they smile and they hear the lyrics. I don't know if you know who's singing that, do you? No, I don't. It's Brendan Levy. Uncle Is Brent. it really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's had a, a band, the, the Good. Yeah, I know, I, know, I know about his band, but I didn't realize that was him. Yeah, so he did that for me. Um, nonprofits need connections, so uh, meet me in the attic. That's the story, gang. Uh, my son is calling me Mr. Static because that's part of the song. He no longer calls me Tommy D. So shout out to my little guy downstairs now. Um, so strategic alliances and partnerships are something we hear about, like on the business side of things quite often. Um, we talked in that first segment there really about aligning. I think that's a great way to say partnership alignment where it is both, both parties benefit, not, hey, uh, you want to buy a T-sign? And put a T sign on on you know the uh, eighth green, and why eighth T? Excuse me. Um, no, but do you want to have an involvement? Do you want to bring your thought leadership into our nonprofit organization and educate our people? And that's something that might be more valuable, right? So there's these different opportunities. I want to talk about if you have another example or two. Certainly, the book fairs is probably the paramount example of what you're doing, what Serena and Associates is doing with the book fairs. But if 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 I I know we do have leaders of organizations listening because those are some of the people I hang around with. So what can they consider about how to go out and find a, a partner, how to find a, a for-profit partner? Or on the other side, Ken, like, like Serenian Associates did, how do you find the right partner from on the nonprofit side? Can we talk a little bit about that? Sure. I mean, I, I think a lot of it comes down to, um, you know, understanding what you have to offer. It's understanding how you can uh, create a partnership that actually makes sense for both sides. Um, so it, it's looking at um, if I'm a, let's say, an island harvest or, you know, um, you know, an organization that, that brings in food. All right. So look for people who or businesses that are really focused on the food industry, whether it be, you know, um, distributors of food supplies or, um, you know, food uh, distributors or, or manufacturers, whatever, you know, try to find people who are aligned with your nonprofit organization who could benefit from having that mutual relationship. And I think that's, you know, that's really the first place to start. Also look at who's already donating to your organization and how to really have these conversations to maybe expand that relationship. So it goes beyond a sponsorship or goes beyond an annual donation, but really then focuses in on, you know, how do we build our nonprofit or, or how do we create a partnership where it's built into the DNA of the organization or the partner of the for-profit business? Because again, from, from our perspective, the organization or the relationship we have with book fairies, it's not, Hey, we're going to give you money. If we make money, it's for every hour of service we have, we're, we're going to give you money. So we could have more hours of service. You make more money. We have less hours of service. You make less money, but you're still getting money. It's built into the DNA of who we are as a firm that this is important to us and significant enough to us that we want to make this something that happens forever. So again, I, I think you need to kind of look, if you're a nonprofit organization, you need to look at, you know, who are you already aligned with and, or who do you want to align with? You have to consider the reputation of the companies that you're working with. You want to make sure you're working with people who have a strong reputation because that's going to impact your reputation if you partner with them. 
Um, if you're a for-profit business looking to align with a nonprofit organization and build something like that, again, I think you need to find a nonprofit that resonates with you. You know, it, you know, you, you, you're not going to get involved with an organization that, you know, is doing something completely different from what you're interested in. You know, so you got to find something that's going to align with your business that resonates with you from a thought process, you know, and, you know, try to get to that point where you're kind of bridging and blurring the lines between the nonprofit and for-profit sectors, you know, so it's not just about, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, like I said before, you know, having some sort of social responsibility, you know, it, it really needs to be something that's more built into the DNA of who you are as an organization or as a company. Yeah, I, I think it's, you know, we talk a lot, you hear a lot about that. That's on brand. That's on, like some of this stuff is kind of a no brainer. Like it just makes sense. Like a major food distributor should be hooked into Island Harvest. Maybe they are, no judgment. I don't know the answer there, but it just kind of, if we're going to go to the marketplace and look for a nonprofit to align with, it should be something that is core to what we do, or at least core to our beliefs and our culture, correct? Right, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, if, if it's not aligned with your thought process, maybe it'll last for a year or two, but it's not something that's going to be long term. You know, right. So you want to make sure that that partnership has that, um, again, that two way street or the, the mutual benefit between b- both sides. So talk to me about how has the your staff, the, the culture, you know, uh, reacted to the partnership with the book fair? What's that look like from you know, from reception to, to the managing director, like, how, what do you guys talk about? How's that, how's that feel? So we, we bring it up at staff meetings. Uh, Amy's been in and Amy's talked to our staff and explained um, what our partnership has meant to book fairies and to uh, individuals. We post, uh, Amy sends us like little notes and pictures from the kids who get books and stuff and photographs. We post those up around the office. So there's a constant reminder to our staff that, you know, by them doing the work that they do, that they're having an impact on the community on top of it. And hopefully we'll continue to promote uh, community involvement by our staff, which is extremely important to us uh, as a firm. Um, We also, um, from a, a, a staff perspective, you know, the staff appreciate the fact that we're giving back and we're doing more especially some of the, um, you know, what generation Z and stuff who, you know, who are grew up with that whole social um, need to, you know, provide back and and give benefit to nonprofit organizations. So we're hoping that helps to marry our staff to our firm a little bit more than if we didn't do it, you know, so we get not just the benefit of being able to market this to the outside world, but also um, the understanding to our staff that, you know, we are good, um, citizens, not just of Long Island, but, you know, of, of, of the world, hopefully, and that hopefully they'll, you know, look at that and say, well, this is a place I really want to work. And this is a place I want to stay and and kind of set up, you know, roots. Yeah. Yeah. I listen, I think certainly, you know, the, the younger generations are, uh, keyed in on that. And we, we know that there's, uh, there's these anecdotal stories that, you know, if their company is not aligned and is not a good corporate citizen, they're, they're ready to leave. And I, I, you know, growing up a little earlier than, than some of the younger generations, I, I don't remember that being so important. However, I understand why it's important now as, as being who I am, you know, as deep as I am in this sector, I completely get it. Um, and, you know, I, I would say when they're aligned, when an employee is aligned with that sort of mission of the for-profit again in this case your firm they're aligned with that they go well this firm's all about the sector they're all about nonprofits they're all about give back community service they're involved they're supporting they're reaching a hand out like i i think that that forms loyalty and connection to an organization correct yeah i mean i don't know i don't know how you could work in a sector and not take an active interest and active involvement in the sector you're working in and again, you know, we're in, as you said, we're in the nonprofit sector. And since we're in the nonprofit sector, you know, there, there needs to be constant recognition of the great work that the nonprofit sector is doing, just like you're doing this with, you know, philanthropy and focus. And, you know, we, we've kind of created the Imagine Awards and everything else. And, you know, it's, it's really, it's not just, hey, what are our partnerships look like? But, you know, what does everything else look like? And if we're going to be in this sector, we have to put our money where our mouth is. And, and, you know, we need to be part of the sector and part of the solution to kind of drive this sector forward. 
hundred percent. So let me ask you this real quick, because I, I want to go into the Imagine Awards and, and where it came from in your mind. And I know it was something that didn't happen right away. I know you thought about it for a number of years, but what are you seeing from a trend perspective in the sector right now? I, I know, you know, years ago we talked and it's still a consistent messaging where you got to either start looking around because you can either be a buyer or a seller, you know, organizations are going to start to come together. And that's, you know, I've probably been listening to you say that for six years. So, you know, and I know it's just as present today. So other than that, or talk to that mergers and acquisitions piece, or just what are you seeing? Like, what should people be looking out for, whether they're supporting the sector or whether they're in it every day? So, yes, you're right. Collaboration is going to be very, very important. And that's collaboration at multiple levels. You need collaboration at the um, public sector, government. Um, there needs to be, you know, more of that discussion and open dialogue between nonprofit organizations and uh, the public sector that funds them uh, or the nonprofit support. Because um, too often the, the public sector does things without really getting the input from the nonprofit sectors. And those things don't always make sense. You need to have the collaboration, as we've been talking about, with for-profit businesses. So that's extremely important. And you need to have the collaboration with other nonprofits because you're going to see, as you said, consolidation happening within the industry. I think you're also in a situation where um, you're starting to see a graying of the leadership uh, here on Long Island. And you're going to see more and more of the, the leaders who have been stalwarts within the, the industry actually leaving. There's been a few of them that have already left. Uh, and there's going to be more and more. And there's going to be new leadership. Or if we can't find effective new leadership, that's going to help kind of spur in that um, consolidation that's going to occur within the sector. Different way of doing fundraising. I mean, the whole aspect of um, remote everything is going to have to be part of the um, how nonprofits operate on a go forward basis. So that's definitely going to happen. Technology, nonprofits are, are embracing technology more than they ever have. There was always a wide gap between the nonprofit sector and the for-profit sector. I think that gap is narrowed. Uh, because of the COVID pandemic and nonprofit organizations are, are definitely getting more involved and, and, and deeper on the technology front, um, you know, marketing and all that. Stuff. I mean, there's, there's so much is happening um, right now in the sector. This is a kind of an interesting time to be in the sector. It's, it's difficult because we've kind of gotten that perfect storm where there's a increase in the need for services within the sector. Um, but it's also exciting in the fact that, you know, we're, we're actually getting to new places and reaching new people and doing more stuff in the sector that we've never done before. And, you know, um, increasing the way we use technology to help people and to make differences in people's lives and everything else. So I, I think we got, we got to take a quick break, but I, that's why I was excited to have you on the show, Ken, because yes, we're going to talk about the Awards. We come back. The Imagine Awards is now a nonprofit. So you're here, but I wanted you to talk about all this. I want, you know, I wanted people to understand the leadership you have in the sector and all the knowledge you bring to the sector. Uh, in real time, things happen. I got a text message from our executive producer, Sam Leibowitz. I have a special thing I'm going to announce when we come back from commercial break. So we will be back in 90 seconds. I'm here with Ken Serini, managing director of Serini Associates. He said he, he's told me in the past he had to change his name when he went to work for the firm, because I guess the firm was already called Serini and Associates. Is that <laughs> uh, Ken Serini, Managing Director of Serini Associates, visionary behind the Long Island Imagine Awards and the new inaugural New York City Imagine Awards. We'll be back to talk all that. And I have a surprise I want to tell you guys about 90 seconds. Do you feel uninformed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. UK Time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. 
While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. Yesterday, and I believe we decided it is a command. It's not a question. It is a command. Join me in the attic. But seriously, don't show up on my front stoop. Join me in the attic virtually. Check in here every Friday morning, 10 a.m., Philanthropy and Focus, talkradio.nyc, talking alternative broadcasting on the Facebook. Uh, here's the deal. We talk about putting your money where your mouth is. You talk about strategic alliances. You talk about partnerships. Well, I do. I talk about them all the time. But Ken and I were just talking about them. Our fearless leader here at talkradio.nyc, Sam Leibowitz, came to me about two and a half months ago and said, Tommy D, I want you to put a short list together of some nonprofit organizations that we can review as the host team of this, uh, this network and vote on and choose an organization that we will be aligned with and we will support for the next year and a half. So yesterday, I was able to deliver the news to my friend out here on Long Island and got on a call with Sam Leibowitz and my friend Renee Flagler of Girls Inc. of Long Island, and we've now aligned and are now partners. So talk about money where your mouth is, talk about getting involved, talk about support. Uh, I had texted Sam this morning to see if I could share this news. So shout out to Renee and her team for doing incredible work, helping- Great organization, great organization. Incredible organization, former winner of the Long Island Magic Awards. And what are they doing, gang? Helping young girls and uh, girls and young women become strong, smart, and bold. And a father of two daughters, it's very important to me, that organization. So super excited. Thank you to Sam. Thank you to my uh, other hosts here on the network for deciding that Girls Inc. Long Island is a winner. So look forward to that collaboration going forward. So let's um, let's keep talking about trends. But one last thing, I, I, one last thing on trends, and then I want to go to um, the Imagine Awards, kind of where it came from in your mind, what you saw, what you wanted to do. But is there one last trend that a leader of an organization should be considering now that either we didn't mention or that you want to make sure to underscore? Well, I, again, from a from a trends perspective, I think there's there's so much happening right now. There's so many new regulations that are popping out. Anybody who's government funded, um, just trying to stay on top of all of the different government regulations, which change on such a rapid basis. Um, and un- unfortunately, they'll say one thing and then two weeks later, they'll say something else. It, it's been very, very difficult for the sector uh, on top of that, uh, I think everybody realizes that there's been issues with um, trying to attract and retain quality staff members and quality board members. Um, so again, I think nonprofit organizations are going to have to refocus some of their attention. Um, there's going to be a need to um, maybe increase some of the wages that are being paid in order to kind of keep um, the talent in the nonprofit sector or bring the talent to the nonprofit sector. Because at the end of the day, nonprofits, as, as we talked about in the past, nonprofits are businesses, okay? And they have to be run like businesses. I mean, yes, there's a social conscious and a, and a social um, aspect of it and the, the uh, to it, but they're still businesses. And the stakes are much greater in the nonprofit sector. Again, if, if we don't meet the bottom line numbers that we need to meet, there's real... Uh, real world ramifications to people and to the planet and to arts and culture and, and, and everything else where, you know, isn't necessarily always the case with a for-profit business. So again, I, I think, you know, um, nonprofits need to start really learning more from their for-profit partners and from the for-profit industry. They need to bring in strong leadership 
in terms of the organization. And that means maybe some extra dollars that get laid out. And they need to bring in that strong leadership at the board level who can provide guidance and governance uh, to the organization in terms of helping them to move forward in an effective way. Yeah, I, I, I obviously all of that is right on. The thing that always kind of drives me crazy is this whole hat in hand mentality that unfortunately the sector has, like we're a charity and, and handouts and things like that. But then when you, as you say, I, I look, we don't have the time for it now, but I wonder how do we change that mentality and that mindset that is just a, a charity. And you know, you know, I don't feel that way. How do they? So, so, so many organizations, when they create their budgets, they create break even budgets. And I sit there and I look I'm like, why are we creating break even budgets? I mean, why not create fiscal strength within our organization? Why not create, um, you know, a, a budget that creates profitability? Um, how are we looking at what we do? And again, as a, as a nonprofit organization, yeah, we, we want to provide real uh, benefit to the community. We want to subsidize programs and stuff like that. We probably aren't getting enough money from the government to run certain programs, you know, but we really also need to, you know, continue to look at what we do and continue to look at it from a mission perspective and how does what we're doing align effectively with our mission. And if we've start, started to get what I refer to as mission creep, where we're, we're kind of moving outside of the realm of what it is we do, maybe we need to rein in a little bit and and really refocus or rethink about what our mission is and, and, and maybe readjust the mission to go more in line with what we're doing. Mission creep, meaning if I get too far out, I'm ended up, I need more funds. But if I had, I stayed more in line in that swim lane, maybe I wouldn't need more funds. Is that what you're saying? Potentially, or maybe we're losing money on some, maybe we chased a grant one year and that grant is now dried up, but it's now part of what we do and we're losing money on it. But that's distracting from the other work that we really should be doing, which is more directly related to our mission. Wow. Wow. Really? And these are the insights I know you, you bring to your clients mm-hmm. for sure, and, and your colleagues at your firm do as well. Uh, so what? let's talk Imagine Awards. I know it was, a, it, was a, it was an idea like everything else. This show was an idea I had. I probably came up with this idea. I know a guy called Gary Vaynerchuk has says a lot of things. And I, I, I heard him one time. And then I was maybe at the Imagine Awards. I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have a show where I just interview leaders of, of nonprofit organizations. And now there's a such thing. It's called philanthropy and focus. But before there was the Long Island Imagine Awards, it was a seedling. It was an idea. Tell us about that. So first of all, um, this year, uh, well, actually, the award program that happens next April is going to be our 10th anniversary. So this has been going on for 10 years here on Long Island, which is kind of amazing from, you know, from my perspective. I mean, it, it was an idea it, 10 years in the making before it ever became a reality. So it was something that I'd been kicking around for 10, 10 years, years before. 10 years before you even did it. You just Before I even did it. It was 10 years before I even did it. And I had, you know, we had had the starts and stops and stuff. You know, I've tried to bring in other people and put together a committee to try to help run it. And I realized, wait a minute, I really need to solidify some of the ideas myself before I bring in outside people um, to kind of help with it. But yeah, it was 10 years in the making before it it actually became a reality. And I think the reason it it took 10 years is, um, you know, when we were looking at what it is we want to accomplish and and how we wanted to lay out the Imagine Awards and, and what it was all about, you know, we were really looking at maybe some of the other awards programs that were out there. How were these things done? Um, you know, Ernst and Young had this thing called, um, holy crap, I can't believe, uh, Entrepreneur of the Year program. They had the Entrepreneur of the Year program, which looked at businesses and everything else. And there's awards for businesses. There's awards for top women, you know, women in the industry. There's financial advisors. I mean, there seems to be awards for absolutely everything, but, you but there never really one. was an award program for the nonprofit sector. Right. And when you look at uh, an, a group of businesses that spend all of their existence making differences in people's lives and helping others to not receive recognition um, out there in the world, I mean, again, they're, they're very modest in how they approach things but they shouldn't be. They should be standing on mountains and, and you know, yelling about all the great stuff they're doing because they're doing tremendous work. So we said someone needs to shine the spotlight on the nonprofit sector. There needs to be some place where everybody starts to understand, you know, the difference that the sector is making. There needs to be a place where people can see and feel and interact in a way that is going to um, increase collaboration. It's going to share ideas. 
Um, it's going to bring nonprofit leaders together to build a stronger sector. And, you know, the over that 10 year period of um, incubation, we'll call it, um, you know, those thoughts kind of came together and percolated similar to what, you know, you did in terms of creating philanthropy and focus. And that percolation um, went from just an award program to, hey, we need to have more collaboration and we need to spotlight the great things they're doing uh, a la Academy Awards with videos and stuff. And, you know, there needs to be an education component because of all this. And it took a while to kind of create and bring together. But I think by taking the time, building it slowly, developing the concepts and the ideas, I think we got to the right place when we first opened the doors and said, this is going to be our first year doing it, as opposed to if we would have tried to build it as, uh, as we were moving. Right. Sure. And, and then kind of try to fix things. You, you were really ready when you did it. So, uh, and obviously, even though you were ready, there was probably some missteps and miscues and, and things you wanted to change over the years. Well, let's actually talk about the program. So it's an application process. You talk to me about the categories. So yeah, I mean, so there are uh, four distinct categories that exist within the Imagine Awards. There's, I'm sorry, five distinct categories that exist within the Imagine Awards. Uh, there's leadership, um, which is an effective leader within a nonprofit organization. That could be the executive director, it could be a board member, it could be a volunteer, it could be a staff member. Um, and we've had, you know, uh, different, pretty much all of those categories have over the 10 years won. Um, most of the time it's an executive director, but we've had, you know, key volunteers and, and other um, individuals make it to the finals and win. Um, second category is arts and culture. Um, when we first started the Imagine Awards, we had social entrepreneurism as a category um, because that's something that I believe is extremely important and needs to be uh, continue to be promoted uh, here on Long Island and around, around the country. Um, but there wasn't enough understanding and enough applications coming in in the area of social entrepreneurism and one of the things we noticed is that arts and cultural organizations would make it to the finals but they wouldn't win because when you take arts and culture and put it up against um you know a health and welfare organization so you, you know you got island harvest you know against uh you know the museum at stony brook they're both incredible organizations but people are going to more gravitate towards the ones that are putting food in people's bellies yeah yeah so we said, really, there needs to be a separate uh, lane for arts and culture, because um, while, you know, Island Harvest feeds the belly, arts and culture feeds the mind, you know, and we needed to have that aspect of it also. Um, the third category is innovation. There's some really, really cool stuff that nonprofit organizations are doing. Um, and if we can share those things that nonprofits are doing with other nonprofits and other nonprofits can come on board and start doing some of the same stuff and build off it, you know, you're getting to a point again where the sector gets stronger. So we felt innovation was something that was extremely important in terms of uh, a category that we needed to promote. And then, and the reason why I said four verse five is the last two categories are basically the same category. It's social impact, but we felt that um, a smaller organization couldn't really compete with a larger organization from a social impact perspective. And we wanted to make sure both small and large organizations were recognized within um, the Imagine Awards. So we created the social impact for those organizations that are larger, and we created um, Rising Star for those organizations that are smaller. But both of them are really social impact categories, looking at what impact is an organization having on a micro level? So what impact are they having on the people they serve? And what impact are they having on a macro level? What's the impact they're having on the community, the sector, and, and the world at large? You know, we're, we're going to take a quick break, everybody. But you know what it is, Ken? This is why it took 10 years. And it's still iterating. And you're still making changes. And, I, you know, I know you even said you had a category and that category is no longer there. We come back. I want, to, I want you to tell us. We, I know we have some dates to talk about, things that are upcoming for both New York City as well as Long Island. But I, I'd love for you to consider five years, 10 years down the road, what does the Imagine Awards, the, the, the series, I, I think of it in terms of the series, what does the Imagine Awards series look like? Something to ponder over the next 90 seconds. It's your boy, Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector, and my boy, Ken Serini. Thanks, right. Tommy, for the heads up and the, the lead time. <laughs> we'll be right back. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? 
Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. Tommy in the attic, join me here every Friday morning. Like I said, don't show up on my stoop. Just join me here virtually. Talkradio.nyc, talking alternative broadcasting on Facebook. Ken, I want to tell you a story. Um, hey, Tommy, before that, I just want to yes. let you know uh, in the uh, 90 seconds that we were kind of going through that commercial stuff, I yeah. added that song to my playlist. <laughs> so that's on my, my regular playlist now to be repeated on a regular basis. I think it should be, as it should be on everybody's playlist. And I would be lying if I told you the six people who live in this house don't go around the house singing that song. They do. They really, truly do. Even, well, maybe not my wife. The kids like the song. They put in, when they're mad at me, they put in different words to, to break my top. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a different story for another day, for another show. All right. So really quick, I want to tell you the story. Um, a few months back when we were getting an application for the New York City Imagine Awards, I had said, send me a list of, of folks we can call to let them know that you know New York City-based nonprofits that may, may not be aware of the awards. So uh, I got a list and it was in alphabetical order. So this organization that's coming on the show next week, the LALD Alliance, again, starts with the A. So it was early on my list. I had spoken to Elisa Seeger, who um, I'm going to try and pronounce this word, adrenoleukodystrophy, um, which is a tragic disease. And unfortunately, Elisa had lost her son, Aiden, uh, at the age of seven. Um, she and I had a great conversation. And now just it was a conversation about me soliciting saying hey there's this new york city management awards you should know about it she fills out an application and, and her organization is now a finalist in the new york city management awards um that's just life guys that's karma that's things happening and um because i don't get out of people's lives once i'm in them lisa will be on the program here with me a philanthropy and focus next week so i'm excited about that so i wanted to tell you that that all happens because you're my friend and, and the imaginable that's how things. Well, 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 Tommy, I mean, Book Fairies was an organization I had never heard of. Book Fairies applied for the Imagine Awards. And as I said, now they're a partner of the firm and, and you know, we write them checks every month. You know, so, you know, the whole concept of what we were trying to accomplish through the Imagine Awards is, is trying to uh, make some of these other nonprofits that maybe people don't know about or have, haven't heard about more mainstream, let people to really understand um, what's out there and the great work that's being done, you know, by, you know, very different organizations with very different um, uh, missions. Yeah. Yeah. You know, 
I'll go back to what I read earlier, to shine a spotlight on those nonprofits that are truly unique. Look, I'm, you say shine a spotlight. I say amplify their message. The point is these organizations are making incredible work, uh, doing incredible work, making incredible impacts. And it's our job, in my opinion, to let people know about it. I'm glad we're doing that, you and me together, specifically here in Long Island, New York City. But, you know, as we continue to grow our reach, I think it can get much further than that. So there are a couple of things I want to talk about, dates, upcoming dates and, and things like that. Um, so first of all is uh, September. Oh, actually, if we're, if we're going to kind of move things in order. So, yeah, um, so for the New York City Imagine Awards, which is taking place on October 19th, there's something that we call, which is, I didn't mention before, but we have something called the fan favorite. So under the fan favorite, um, people can vote every day for one of the 20 finalists. And the finalist who gets the most votes over the course of the one month voting, uh, they win an extra um, $3,000 grant. And that goes so, live. How do they do that? That's that goes live Monday. On Facebook only? Is that how you do that? Um, they can go through Facebook. They can go through um, the Imagine Awards, uh, New York City Imagine Awards website, nycimagineawards.com. Um, and they can um, vote for uh, whoever they want to be their fan favorite in terms of the different organizations out there. Perfect. So, so that starts on Monday. Um, on September 9th, the Long Island um, next uh, application drops for next year's Imagine Awards for Long Island. So people can start completing their application, which will uh, run until November. Let me ask you something um, before we talk about Long Island. So what, how do I, if I'm an organization and I have services, I provide services on or rather in Nassau or Suffolk County, I can apply? Is that how? I don't yep. really mm -hmm. have to have a brick and mortar space. No, you don't have to have a brick and mortar space. You just have to be a 501c3 organization providing services um, in and around Long Island. So that's those, those applications go out September 9th. All right. Yep. So we, we know that. So we checked that off our list. So your team is, is good. We're doing our job so far. And um, then we also have, as you mentioned earlier, on September 14th, we have Let's Imagine. And that's something, and you said, you know, talked about um, how we've evolved as a uh, organization and how we're going to continue to evolve going forward. So Let's Imagine was something that came up about five or six years ago, and it came up from the committee that puts on the Imagine Awards every year. And the committee said, well, wouldn't it be great to have an event after the Imagine Awards is over where we brought the winners of the Imagine Awards together and they became a panel where people can then go and ask questions, you know, because if these are some of the more effective nonprofit organizations, um, you know, questions like, um, you know, how do you attract and retain board members? How do you keep your board members engaged? So it doesn't have to be about the awards itself. It could be, you know, best practices within the organization. Because again, part of our mission is an educational mission to kind of push information out there to the sector. So that's happening virtually on September 14th, where um, we're going to be uh, bringing uh, four of the winners, four of the five winners, uh, one of them couldn't make it, uh, together. And we'll be posing questions and opening up to anybody who wants to ask questions to the panel. And I think to find that, we can get that off of if for the virtual. Uh, how, how does somebody get access to that? Would it be on Long Island Imagine? So the yeah, it's, on, it's on the Imagine Awards. So the Long Island uh, website is imagineawardsli.com. Correct. Okay. So if they want to go to the website or they can reach out to, you know, Serenian Associates and uh, we'll get them information. Got it. Got it. So you can just go to Serenian Associates. You can go to imagineawardsli.com for that, and, and I will tell you, if you're a leader of an organization and you hear my voice right now, you should be plugging into that day because you're going to hear those who have made it, who have who are at the top of their game in the nonprofit sector, and they're selflessly sharing their information and their best practices with you. I've been to those events for a number of years. And, and, and in terms of the Imagine Awards itself, um, even if you don't win or even if you didn't make the finals, um, you should definitely consider coming to the event, being in the room with uh, nonprofit leaders, I think is, is important for all organizations. You know, you can sit there and you can network with some of the other organizations. Um, and, you know, a lot of magic happens in that room. And I think it's really important for everyone to be there. Uh, there've been introductions in that room between nonprofit organizations and funders. There've been, I, I know United Way has been to several of these and they've 
um, started to fund several of the the nonprofits who have you know been in the room. Some of which are finalists, some of them are semifinalists, or, or whatever. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's happening. There's a lot of good people in the room. The the there are nonprofits and there are people who are affiliated with nonprofits who are interested in meeting and understanding what other nonprofits are doing. So, it's you know it's a, it's a good room to be in, and there's not a lot of other events like this where you actually have a bunch of people, 400 people who are really focused on the nonprofit sector. So we're running out of time. So let's tell them how to be in the room on, on October 19th through the New York City Imagine Awards. So again, if you want to be in the room, um, you can go to the website, nycimagineawards.com, uh, and you can purchase tickets. There's a deep, deep discount for nonprofit organizations. If you don't feel comfortable being in the room, um, we are going to be simulcasting the event. Um, so that they can, you know, organizations can still participate in a simulcasted way and really get to see some of the really cool things that the uh, sector is doing. Thank you, Ken. Thank you for being here. I got a couple of things I got to wrap up with everybody, but Ken, thank you for your friendship. Thank you for your leadership in the sector. And thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you, Tommy. And thank you for just being you, because I, I think I that's the important part. And see, I'm just trying to be the best Tommy D I could be every single day, Ken. That's all I I'm try doing. to be the best Tommy, B, Tommy D I can be every day, too. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God. We're out of time. All right. Here's what I want to tell you guys. Check out next uh, Wednesday. Two things happening next Wednesday. We launch a new program here on the network called Pals, Professionals and Animal Lovers Show. It's all about uh, professionals who care about animals and animal advocacy organizations. That will be my friend Val. Valerie Heffron and I will be doing that show. Also, later in the day, actually all day on Wednesday, it's 24 hours of gratitude. So follow the hashtag gratitude all day. I have a couple of hours Friday afternoon from four to five, excuse me, Wednesday afternoon from four to five and Thursday morning from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern time. It's a live stream. Call in, get on the Zoom and talk about what you're grateful for. Stay on the network. That's what I'm grateful for. Thanks, Sam Leibowitz. Thanks, Kyle. On the other side of the desk again, thanks, Ken. ALD Alliance, Elisa Seeger here next week. Stay tuned. Steve Fry will be here always Friday. After that, Jeremiah Fox. Uh, listen, I love doing this show. I like that you guys are connected with it. Ken, thanks again for being my friend and being here. Make it a great day, everybody. I'll see you soon. Bye. Take care. Thanks. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift educate and power. Did you know that nearly one in five adults in the U.S. <laughs> battles mental illness? Hi, my name is Albert Dabba. I'm the host of the show Extra Innings. Extra Innings, I discuss the topics of wellness, mental health, and the experience of surviving multiple suicides within my family. Listen live every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern to Extra Innings for discussions with sports figures, artists, mental health professionals, and many others. That's Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Have you ever thought of reinventing yourself? Are you looking to create a new life's journey? 
Hi, I'm Kevin Barbaro, host of Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 5, 8 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live to hear me and my guests from a variety of different backgrounds. As a former college coach and a current full-time actor and owner of multiple companies, my show is as eclectic as my life. That's Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 